to see y'all. I'm Trey Clinney. I'm your discipleship pastor at Longview Point. And today I have the privilege to open God's word with you. Prayed about what to say, tried to, tried to punt to a, a, a more simple passage for me, but the Lord really led me to a passage I hope will be an encouragement to you, as it has been to me, but having to meditate on this for a week or so, marinate, chew on it, try to wring it out, it's been good for me. If you're like me, I think many people go through seasons of just feeling bogged down. And it can be for a lot of reasons, and it can, it can present itself in a lot of ways. Sometimes just the busyness of life in America, the tyranny of the urgent. Sometimes there's sinfulness in our hearts or complacency that we're maybe not even aware of in the moment. There's things that bog us down that... I guess, still our focus. And sometimes we just need a good reminder that this is not our home. This is not our home. We cling to it like it is. We cling to this life, this old ragged body that's corrupted and fallen apart, riddled with sin. We cling to it like that's all there is. And this is not our final destination. This is not our final existence. This is not our final body. This is not our home. Today we're going to read and study and talk about, Lord willing, be challenged by, encouraged by, hopefully every one of us have our toes stepped on one way or another, and we allow God to use that to conform us into his image. I heard one time Johnny Hunt said after... After a sermon, somebody said, Pastor, you're stepping all over my toes this morning. He said, well, I missed. So what are you talking about? He said, I was aiming for your heart. <laughs> we just need God to help us. You know, it, just to help us. But if you'll find your way to Revelation chapter 21, Revelation, it's easy, easy to find. It's the second from the last chapter in the, in the, the Bible. Revelation chapter 21 I want, I want us to be reminded today from God's word of what we have to look forward to. As you find your place, I'll give you another quote. I heard this early on as a new believer, and it really stuck with me. And Adrian Rogers had a way of saying, stating things so plainly, but at the same time with, with, with such insight. He said, when you trust Christ, you, you, you enter into a relationship with God, you receive salvation. God saves you from the penalty of sin. And as you grow and as you're sanctified, he's, change, he's changing you, saving you from the power of sin. But one day, we'll be glorified. We'll be saved from the presence of sin. That's going to be a good day. Not just because I don't have to deal with sin in my life, but we don't have to deal with each other's sin either. It's going to be gone. That's going to be a good day. Revelation chapter 21, if you will, and if you're able, stand with me in the honor, to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, 
coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To the one who conquers, sorry, the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Would you pray with me? Father, would you do what only you can do this morning? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to believe. If there be anyone in this room, no matter how religious they are, that is not in a right relationship with you, God, would you open their eyes and save their soul? Lord, for the believers in this place, God, would you convict us and encourage us and change us and teach us to, to long to be with you in eternity? God, would you thrust us out from this place rejoicing and, and going out as laborers into your harvest? In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. This verse begins, this passage begins talking about a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus has come back and everyone has stood before the throne those who were in the book of life, they wait expectantly on the new heaven and the new earth. It says that there's a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And in this verse, we see kind of the bookends, if you will, of the Bible. You begin with creation and you end with God consummating everything. So you've got creation and consummation right here. Think back when God created everything. Have you ever pondered what it would have been like for God to speak all things into existence? To say it and it happens. To speak the sun, the stars, the moon, the earth, the seas, the creatures, the plants and the animals, all things. Just to speak it into existence. How amazing and glorious that would be to witness. And for it to be called good. 
to create man in his own image, to place him in a garden perfect for our habitation. For there to be no sin, no suffering, no sickness, no death, no separation from God at all. To be in perfect harmony with God and with creation. No death, no fear. How good is that? How good would that have been? You know the story. You got the creation, but not far from the creation, you've got the fall. Upon temptation, man essentially doubts God's goodness, doubts his plan, chooses to do his own thing, to go his own way, to sin, to disobey. Sin enters the world, and with sin enters death. The whole world becomes corrupted. As beautiful as our land is, as beautiful as the Rocky Mountains are, the Himalayas, the Smokies, the, the Caribbean, the, the waters of the ocean and the sea, the, as beautiful as plants and animals are, we live in a fallen world that is groaning, that is corrupted, that has been subjected to futility, that is longing to be redeemed. Man became separated from God because of sin. And the world is now corrupted. We have calamity. We have natural disasters, disease, sickness, murder. Matter of fact, right after the fall, you see an example of murder, right? Cain and Abel. And it just spirals to the point that God sends a flood to destroy all mankind and barely saves man through Noah and his family. And from there, calls down the line from Abraham to Israel, the people of Israel, the nation to represent him. God dwells, or his spirit, I guess, if you will, his, his presence, think, sorry, his presence manifests in the tabernacle. But ultimately, we just sang about Jesus. We celebrated his coming to this earth. Just a week ago, a baby held by a teenage mom laid in a manger that would take away the sins of the world. And Jesus preached repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. He lived the perfect life that you and I could not live and he died on the cross to pay the death, the penalty for the death that we deserve to die. He rose from the grave victoriously. And his kingdom has continued to expand. Even today, as people hear and receive, believe the gospel, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, turn from their sins to God, the kingdom of God continues to expand. Yet we still live in a fallen creation. And, and we get distracted trying to exist. And, and there's a lot that is still good, right? We still see glimpses of God's perfect plan and creation, the beauty of creation. And there's still beauty in, in, in relationships, godly relationships. And as we gather as the body of Christ and worship God, we see glimpses of what we were created for. But, but it's still lagging, lacking, marred. And here in Revelation 21, God says that he will make a new heaven and a new earth. So I want to encourage you, 
based on these verses here, we need to wait expectantly on the new heaven and the new earth. We need to be longing for that new heaven and that new earth, not clinging to this heaven, or this, sorry, this earth that's passing away, this body that's passing away. This new heaven and this new earth is coming, and all things will be new. Verse 1 says the corrupted earth will pass away. Verse 5, Jesus said he is making all things new. In verse 4, he said, death shall be no more. There will be no mourning or sorrow. No crying. No pain. I got one uh uh-huh. No pain. Am I the only one that wakes up and gets out of bed and starts hobbling around until everything loosens up? Am I the only one falling apart in here? No pain. We cling to this body of pain when we have so much more to long for and to wait for and to hope in. For Christmas, my daughter got me a pair of reading glasses as a, as a gag gift. I put them on and they helped. <laughs> We're falling apart, y'all. Why are we clinging to this? No pain. Four, verses, verse four says, the former things have passed away. Verse eight gives us a list of, of different sins. You've got murderers and idolaters and sexual immoral liars are lumped in there. All of those things will have passed away. Can you imagine what it will be like? What, 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 what things will pass away? It says no death, no cancer, no heart failure, no strokes, no dementia, no tragic deaths, no Deaths caused by DUIs, no drawn out suffering, no migraines. Thought surely I get an amen there. No allergies, no depression. Won't that be nice? No pride, no hatred, no murder, no racism, no fear. No discord, no gangs, no bullying, no abortion, no affairs, no STDs, no broken hearts, no selfishness, no addiction, no overdoses, no hospitals, no surgeries, no false worship, no lies. No empty religion. No cultural Christianity. Look out now. No backbiting, murmuring, cattiness, gossiping, slandering. No persecution. You know, there's a lot of talk in the book of Revelation about tribulation and persecution. The history of the church, persecution has been a normal thing, and it's still pretty normal today. We just don't have to deal with it as much here. 
There's people all across this world right now with targets on their back just for naming Christ. Being beheaded, burned, tortured, imprisoned, beaten. Right now. No more persecution. No refugees. No envy. No idolatry. No false preachers. No best life now. Best life's going to be then. No perversions. No 24 hour news cycles. Can I get a witness? No politics, no parties, one king. No deception. The former things have passed away. And you can meditate on this all week long and only scratch the surface. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. We need to set our minds on things above. We need to set our minds on things above and we need to live with urgency. We need to be aware, beware of complacency. We need to live for eternity. We need to seek the Lord. We need to ask God to help us to long for His eternal kingdom. Lord, help us. Help us to live with kingdom eyes. Help us to see your kingdom coming now and help us to live with an eternal perspective. We also see in verse 2 the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It reminds me of language in, in Ephesians. The bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem. It's not something that we build. It's something that comes from God. And I think that this is a place as well as a people. The bride of Christ, those who are redeemed. We get to enjoy God. It says that in verse 3, we will dwell with God. We will tabernacle with God. You remember the tabernacle representing the, the holiness, the presence, the glory of God? You remember Jesus coming to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us? This, I, I, I can't fathom this, y'all. Now in our current state, we can't. Exist in the glory of God. Like, remember when Moses asked God, let me see your glory. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to shield you with my hand. And as I pass by, I'll let you glimpse at the, my backside. You can't, you can't see my face and live. We will be made new. We will dwell in the presence of God. Where there is everlasting joy and love. Everlasting comfort. 
In verse 3, he says, he will, we will be his people and he will be our God. Verse 4 says that he will wipe away every tear. He will comfort us. The everlasting comfort in the face of God. The joy, the majesty, the beauty, the splendor. The things that, that we long for that we don't even know that we long for. That we seek to find where it, we can't find it anywhere else. We will find complete satisfaction in the presence of God. The beauty, the joy, the majesty. Verse 5 says he is true. He is faithful. Verse 6, he said, it's done. When God says it's done, even if it's a thousand years in advance, it's as good as done. But we get distracted and we don't live like it's done, like it's finished. What does Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. He accomplished our salvation. This is the consummation when everything is brought together. It's culminated together. We dwell with God. It is done. The old things have passed away. The new has come. We can exist in the holiness, the presence, the brightness of God. There's no need for moon or sun. The radiance of God gives light. There's no need for, for protection. The presence of God is there. We are safe and secure. It is done. In verse 6, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. These are the, the first and the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The beginning and the end. He is eternal and he is in charge. He is the one who created all things. He is the one who consummates all things. He is God. In verse 6, he says that he gives freely. Eternal life to all who come to him. Look at verse 6. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water, of the water of life without payment, freely. It reminds me of John chapter 4 a little bit. You remember when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan lady? And he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked him for water. And he would have given you water, living water that becomes a well, that becomes a, a spring that springs up to eternal life. and Never thirst again. Speaking of salvation and enjoyment and satisfaction in Christ. This river of living water is free. You can't do anything good enough to earn heaven. You can't do anything good enough to reconcile yourself to God. All we like sheep have gone astray. The Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. Jesus is the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We have all sinned and fall short of God's glory. And we deserve death. But God offers us eternal life. The free gift of God. Free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All we do is receive it. How? By repentance and faith. Turning to God and trusting Jesus. Putting all of our hope and all of our confidence in Him. And we receive the right to drink from this 
eternal river. In verse 7, he calls us children. To the one who conquers, the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. God not only saves us, he adopts us, gives us his name, his inheritance. Our heritage is God is our father. To the one who conquers. Now, Revelation and all the New Testament is about endurance. It's about preservation. It's about hanging on, not giving up. There's a truth that I think is very biblical all throughout Scripture that if you're truly saved, then you're secure. Eternal life wouldn't be eternal if you could lose it. There's preservation here. There's perseverance here. To the one who conquers, the one who perseveres, the one who endures is given eternal life. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Expect persecution and tribulation. And run the race with endurance. Don't grow discouraged. Don't lose focus. Remember that this world is passing away. And everything that's in it. But we'll be with God forever. Focus on that. Set your eyes on that. There's something else I want you to see here, because not everybody's going to be in this new heaven and this new earth. We need to beware of the second death. Verse 8 says, but as for the cowardly, those who don't conquer, those who don't endure, or the faithless, those who don't believe, the detestable, the living in sin, and murderers full of hatred, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The wages of sin is death. And we see here, and I, and I just want to say it as plain as I can. You'll either be born twice. Or you're going to die twice. And it's not about being good enough. Or doing enough religious activities. Or being a good church member. Or being baptized. What denomination you're affiliated with. It's not about saying an empty prayer. This verse shows us that those that are characterized by sin. Are not born again. I grew up going to church. Calling myself a Christian. Walked aisles, said prayers, been sprinkled and dunked. Believe John 3.16, could quote it. But I wasn't born again. And God in his, in his patience, mercy, grace, love. Because of the faithfulness of a friend who prayed for me. God began to grip my heart and show me my, my sinfulness and to show me my powerlessness over sin. And when I truly repented and surrendered everything to Christ, when I truly laid it down and trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, called on his name, he saved me. 
before he saved me, I was characterized by most of the things on this list. It's a liar. Would lie just a lie. It's what I was, who I was. Do I still lie? Maybe. I just lied. <laughs> but I'm not characterized by lying. I had hatred for people. There were people that I hated enough to murder. It's characterized by that, by that sinfulness, by that immorality, idolatry. But when God saved me, He changed my heart. He changed my desires from the inside out that affected my actions, that affect me today. When I lie, I'm convicted of it. I can't constantly dwell in sin. It can't characterize me. I'm characterized now by a desire to be transformed into the image of my Savior. I'm, I can't, I'm convicted of sin. If you're characterized by sinfulness, You need to repent and be saved so that you can wait expectantly on the new heaven and the new earth so that you don't have to go to this lake of fire that burns forever. The second death is not ceasing to exist. It's not a nihilism. The second death is dying forever in agony. You see that? You see these two places that we... That we Look forward to, if you will, that are going to happen, that are coming. If you don't know him, and, and, and listen to me. I'm going to harp on this for just a minute. Third service. <laughs> Nobody's knocking on the door. I remember sitting in church services, being under conviction, thinking, man, I, I, I need to be saved. But then I would, I would put a wet blanket on that and, and, and dampen it out and say, no, I'm not going down in front of all them people. What are they going to think if I go down there now? I've already been baptized. I've already walked the aisle. If anybody would have known me a little bit, they'd have said, praise God, it's about time Trey finally got saved. You could be in this place. Actually, you could be a moral person and a really good church member and lost as a goose. You need Jesus. If you are not saved, trust Jesus today because you never know. It is appointed for man once to die and then to be judged. Don't let those that you know go to hell unwarned. Be committed to the Great Commission. There's a world out there, Stephen talked about, billions of people who have never heard. So we give, yes. Every penny of Vati Moon goes to putting missionaries on the field, and we go. The Great Commission is here, too. The world, the nations are here, too. In the metro Memphis area, we can find all kind of people groups that are unreached and unengaged, and we can engage them with the gospel. And maybe you say, I don't feel comfortable with that. Well, come to our evangelism training coming up in a few weeks, and, and we'll have a great time together just, just practicing how to simply share the gospel, how to live a gospel lifestyle. My wife reminded me of this quote from Charles Spurgeon. 
If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. These two eternal realities, they're, re they're real. It's coming. It's done. You can take it to the bank. I got an old friend named Country. Everybody's like, who's that? Sounds fun. Country was telling me about a guy that he met in Parchman, a young man named Chris. When Chris was 14, he and another guy robbed a convenience store and the clerk got shot and killed. So at 14 years old, Chris was sentenced to life. What a place to finish growing up. This wasn't the juvenile detention center. This is Parchman. So growing up in Parchman, he lifted weights and joined a gang and started gang banging. Come kind of tough, you know. He was out one day on the rec yard lifting weights. Young man, great shape, fit, tough. Had an aneurysm and a stroke. Almost died. So he shows up to Camp 31, which is the disability unit in Parchman, in a wheelchair. He has to relearn how to walk. He got to where he could walk with a cane and drag his foot behind him. He had to learn how to talk. Well, Chris was actually raised in a good home, taught the gospel. And he started digging, while he recovered, he started digging into the word. And he came to Christ and he began preaching Jesus. And he was living a life of urgency and probably one of the most urgent places in the world. A lot of people went to Camp 31 because they were going to die. And they're in parchment. Odds are they need Jesus. And there's urgency, right? Well, country said, man, he was a little guy, but man, he'd be out in the rec yard in the open air preaching. And he said, I had a lot of respect for him putting a target on himself like that. And he said he was so burdened for the lost people around him. There was this one old man that he'd been witnessing to who was there that was dying. It was, any, it was a matter of weeks, and he was preaching to him every day, trying to get him to repent of his sin, and this old man was hard-hearted. He wasn't responding. Well, it got down to the last moments. Country was in the hall, and Chris comes by, and he's just pacing. He's like, Country, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's dying. He's going to go to hell. He's going to die any minute, and he's going to go to hell. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help him. He can't even respond anymore. And he's just, in, he's just, he's tore up over the state of this man who was dying without Christ. And I thought, man, I'm convicted already when he's telling me this story. He said, Country, what are we going to do? And Country said, well, let's go try something. So they go into the guy to the guy's deathbed. He's, he's unresponsive. His eyes are closed. Can't talk. And they each take one of his hands. And Country said, if you can hear us, squeeze our hands. And he fairly lightly squeezed their hands. He said, you're dying. If you need to be saved, squeeze my hand. And he squeezed their hands. So Country said, I don't know what to do. So I just kind of started going through the Romans road. 
read him the passages, and he said, if you believe this, squeeze my hands, and he squeezed his hands. He said, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior now, squeeze my hands, and he squeezed their hands. And he said, I'm not talking about hours, definitely not days. I'm talking about within minutes, he was dead. Now, I tell you that story because the urgency, the eternal perspective If that man would have died without Christ, he would have not, he'd not, he would have just, you know, we like to say he's in a better place now. He's not suffering anymore. That's not true if he died without Christ. He would have been worse off. And he definitely would have not, he would have still been suffering. <laughs> they may not be on their deathbed, but we pass dead men walking every day. And we have the privilege, yea, the obligation to tell them about this new heaven and this new earth, about this, this river of eternal life. We get to tell them that they can be reconciled to God. We get to live like it's for real. I get bogged down. I lose focus. Sometimes I don't seek the Lord like he's precious. Sometimes I don't live with an eternal perspective. Sometimes my heart doesn't break for lostness. But when I meditate on passages like this, God uses it to revive my heart, to remind me why we're still here, and to give me hope for where I'm going to be. You know, Took a little vacation with my family, and we did a lot of walking, a whole lot of walking. Went to bed tired every night. And one night, one day we were walking, and my son said, my feet hurt, my back hurt, my head hurts. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know what you mean. I said, but you know what, son? My feet hurt yesterday. But by the time I went home and went to bed, I woke up this morning, and they didn't hurt anymore. And then my youngest said, her feet still hurt. <laughs> but what I was wanting to see is the suffering that you're feeling right now is temporary. And if you can look past it, you're going to realize it's just temporary and it doesn't ruin your day. Now, if all you focus on is the suffering and you're thinking it's going to always be like this, then it's going to ruin your day. It's going to ruin your life. This suffering is temporary. This world is passing away and everything in it and the systems in it too. And all the corruption and all the dying and all the pain is passing away. And we have eternity with God in the new heaven and the new earth to not just look for, but to wait on. So let's keep our eyes on that. And let's ask God to help us to live with urgency. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We need you to do what we can't do. And we ask you to move in our hearts. Lord, for those in this place that may not know you, God, would you please convict them of their sin and show them their lostness. And I pray you save them. And Lord, for those of us who know you and, and, and maybe we're dabbling in sin or maybe we're just living complacent or maybe we've just lost focus, God, revive us. And for those of us who 
have the joy of not being complacent and we've maybe not been sidetracked by the tyranny of the urgent. We've been cherishing you and preaching the gospel. Help us to, to live with expectancy. Lord, work in our hearts and do whatever needs to be done for your glory. In Jesus' name.